Na 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 Geek Church! Welcome to the Church of the Geek Podcast, episode number four. I'm David Hansen, a pastor in rural Texas. My co-host for Church of the Geek is Brian Bennett, a campus ministries pastor in Pennsylvania. Check out Church of the Geek on Facebook at facebook.com slash geekchurch. We're hoping that soon that'll be pushed past 100 fans there on Geek Church, and we sure do uh, appreciate all of you. And you can find us on Twitter as well, at Geek Church. We would love to hear more from you in either place at any time. As we begin this fourth episode, you will hear Brian and I introduce it as episode number three. After we recorded our first set of episodes, we went back and we recorded last week's special holiday episode, the Church Geek Holiday Toys episode. So this is the fourth episode of Church of the Geek. Enjoy it, Batfleck and Jesus. Episode number three of, good Lord, who knows how many. Of, Thanks. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Of, of Church of the Geek-ish stuff. And I saw there's there's someone else uh, uh, just down the road from me uh, doing uh, Lutheran Geek podcast. I don't know if you caught that. Uh, they just started about two weeks ago. Um, but Chris Lake just started that. And they're looking at, uh, rather than the culture piece, they're looking at the technology uh, oh, they're nice. talking about the equipment and what do you use in the church and all that good sort of stuff. Uh, oh, very nice. Maybe crossover sometime. Yeah, I think that we absolutely should. Doodads and things. Exactly. Doodads and things. Absolutely. Great, great. Uh... Uh, awkward pause. Well, you know, we got we got to have one every episode because otherwise folks might question our geek cred. Right, right. At yeah, least one. So. Exactly. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, so we 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 talked yesterday and decided to ditch what we were talking about and talk about Batfleck. Absolutely, absolutely. It's been it's been uh, the fervor has kind of died down, but I still think there's some. There's certainly some passion and energy uh, around uh, <clears throat> Mr. Affleck and the Caped Crusader. Yeah, I think absolutely. Uh, uh, folks are still of strong opinions about Indeed. Uh, Affleck. Yes, and and it's not. Means. It's for a movie that's not even coming out until 2015. Is it that long? Wow. Okay. 2015. Yes. I I, I checked in on that a little <laughs> bit, and I went. Yeah, we're talking two years, and it's coming out supposedly. At least the timing right now is that it comes out. So it's supposed to come out like the weekend following Avengers: Age of Ultron. Ooh, now now that's what you call a good time for movies, right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, 
just doesn't get a whole lot better than that. Um, so I, I think, you know, first of all, my mind goes to the, the, the meme that's going around about the reactions to, uh, uh, Heath Ledger as the Joker, which I remember that as well being just absurd to think about Heath Ledger as as the Joker, right? Uh, his his movie right before that was Brokeback Mountain. Yeah, and and before that we were talking about uh, oh A Knight's Tale, yes, the very serious uh, oh, uh, dramatic yes. thriller A Knight's Tale, and the idea of of the guy who did A Knight's Tale. Which is a, a movie that is a guilty pleasure of mine, uh, as well as Brokeback Mountain being the Joker. Just the interwebs got mad. It, it did. It did. You're right. That's a good point. Bringing that up, I hadn't hadn't thought all the way uh, back to that. But yeah, you know, all I can think of, I, I will admit, I've never seen A Knight's Tale. I've seen clips and and, <laughs> and like scenes out of it, and the jousting scene where the lance explodes. Right. Uh, and I had read how they did that, where they where they built sort of a hollow lance and filled it full of spaghetti, dry spaghetti, <laughs> so that when it slams in and it shatters and explodes, the effect is like the lance has splintered into billions of pieces. It was, I mean, it was brilliant. It was right. a brilliant scene, but that's that's all I know about Knight's Tale. And you are missing yeah. exactly as much as you think that you are missing by not having seen them. <laughs> Oh, I then I have to go get it. So. <laughs> so could we be as wrong about Affleck as we were about Ledger? Well, look, I think a lot of the stuff about Affleck comes around because they're like uh, the, those who are upset about it. Um, they they look at Daredevil. Yeah, which was and, really bad. See, look, I had no <laughs> problems with Daredevil. I really didn't. Can we you still know? be friends? Uh, I, look, you know, I think there are many things that divide us in this world, and I don't think we have to let a movie divide. <laughs> was it? Was it? Um, I mean, it was a bit campy, you know, and it did not. La- it did not have a gravitas. Yeah. In it, but you know, um, <laughs> I, I, I really couldn't complain. I'm not going to put it up on my favorite movies of all time, but you know. But you know, um, okay. So, so here we go. I, I think this this leads us right into the question. Talking about a campiness to it, could we see an Adam West Batman being a flick that would go by with folks like us today? That I think that's a great question because I think you know we we look at the 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 movies and I think we want them to be you know deep and serious and and sometimes. While they're entertaining, they don't. They don't have any fun, right? Um, yeah. And so, which is part yeah, of what's well, great about the Avengers. The Avengers did have some fun moments, just indeed, silly fun. Indeed. Yeah, uh, silly fun, campiness, and yeah. So you know, there are a lot of faces of Batman, right? That are that are in the uh, uh, let's call them the the multiverse of Batman. <laughs> okay. Uh, because you know, Batman sixty six, right? You know, and the series is a far cry from um, Batman nineteen eighty nine. Yeah. Uh, with with and it, you know, hey, folks were not real thrilled with Michael Keaton. No, but Batman. he was brilliant. It he was, was brilliant. fantastic. Yeah. 
And then you moved in through, you know, Val Kilmer, who was, who was, uh, you know, there they changed the, the, the actor in the midst of the whole series. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, and, and then they got back into some campiness whenever, um, Chris, Chris O'Donnell showed up as Robin. Yeah. You know, that, that you, you just saw in the midst of that whole thread some campiness sort of return. Yeah. So, um, so even within that one series, it's been very. Um, it was very. It was very noticeable a shift and a change within how they perceived Batman. And yeah. Well, absolutely, a shift and a change in how they perceived Batman. And I think there's something to you know, uh, uh, Gordon's line. You know, he he's not the hero that we want. He, he's the hero that we need. I think that. Uh, uh, Batman kind of changes from time to time. It, the, the, the Batman of Dark Knight could not have made it in 69. Absolutely not. I mean, uh, just, just no way. Nobody was ready for something like that. Nobody was ready for their superheroes to be that dark, um, or, or that serious. They, they wanted the, the campy, fun, entertaining Batman. Um, and we do now, but it's sort of as a throwback. You know, we, we, we enjoy it as much for the nostalgia value as for the great cinematography of Adam West's Batman. Um, so there's something to Batman being what it is that people need, which I wonder if that's kind of the point. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I, I think it's shaped as much by, about the surrounding culture. Yeah. Um, uh, that, uh, is there versus, um, Right, so in nineteen sixty six, in the late sixties, I mean, we, we were dealing with things like Vietnam, and being sort of having the war broadcast in our home every night, and it was it was a pretty dark time for folks. So Batman is now is not campy, um, right? When uh, and he, I think you go back to Frank Miller's The Dark Knight, which is the is I think the change in in the comic book. You know, where yeah. we get a much darker Batman. That's in the mid eighties. Right. Right. There, you know, we're dealing with you know, sort of the rise of yuppies and, and a and a booming economic thing where there's this great optimism. Yeah. But arguably built upon the backs of uh those who are unfortunate, you know, we see through the beginning of the rise of the have and the have nots and right and all that sort of sort of a, a new um Aristocracy, um, and so how that starts to play out really changes, uh, you know. So now Batman becomes a lot darker. But you know, isn't part of the 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 motif of Batman through the whole thing that it's not about the personality, that it's about the symbol instead? Right? Flesh it, it, it out, flesh it out for a little more for me. Sure, sure. It's it's the whole reason as as we watch this last series, the Dark Knight series. It's the whole reason that that Batman takes on the persona that he does because he needs to be greater than the person Bruce Wayne. He needs to be the symbol, and so there's taking on this theatricality uh, as well as anonymity. There's a reason that nobody knows who he is because he doesn't want it to be about the person, but rather about the symbol. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if if that's maybe kind of the point in some ways that um, 
the person matters a whole lot less than the symbol itself. So then are you saying that we could sort of just plug anyone in to the... No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, because I'm sitting there going, well, then let's make Jim Carrey Batman. <laughs> well, I'm not sure. But I think as long as, as, as whoever takes that role embraces the symbol and, and, and what the symbol stands for, yeah, I think so. Okay. I think it's why we've been successful with a number of different series with Batmans that look very different. And I think that this is the overlap for me between what we talk about and what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. At some point, we talk in the language of symbol as, as church folk. And I think that Batman speaks in the language of symbol. Batman speaks in the language of there is something inherently frightening about, you know, the shadow of Batman going overhead, you know, before you even see any face. There is something reassuring about the symbol of Batman in the sky, regardless of who the person is behind the mask when the symbol is up in the sky. The whole thing is about symbols and the and the power of symbols. Um and for me, I think that that's that's the language that you and I deal in is the language of symbol, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, we could, we no, could, that, that's absolutely right. We could talk about you know uh, whether it's it's pastors and and why do I wear this collar all the darn time? Because it's a symbol of 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 what I do, uh, and and at some point that symbol is more important than what a great guy David Hansen is. Um, but it's about what the task is that I'm called to do and what that symbol means uh, in the world. Yeah, I was thinking about when you were, when you just now, when you were talking about uh, sort of the symbol being above that, I thought, you know, it's interesting. It's the same, in some ways, it's the same sort of thinking that when the Pope is, is uh, elected, they end up um, changing a name, take a new name. Yeah. As in somehow that, that, that it is bigger than the person. Right. Right. So, and we can look at, in in some ways, also the way that that Jesus has been presented throughout the centuries. Right. Uh, of course, we have right no photography of Jesus, um, although that would be kind of cool. But we have no photography of Jesus, and 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 who cares? And so, for you know, most of our history as as white European Christians, Jesus is pretty white and European because we needed a, a Messiah that looks like us. Uh, and now we're seeing an embracing of, of imagery of Jesus that looks more and more like other folks, uh, uh, seeing imagery coming out, whether it's, uh, hey, Kui, uh, and, and his work or other folks, uh, of a Jesus that looks nothing at all like you and I, but perhaps like the people that, you know, Jesus might be speaking to most right now. And, and there's a power in that, uh, a Jesus yeah. who isn't bound by a particular personality. But by the role of of who he is, I think that's yeah. Uh, you know, and even within the even within the Bible, you know, the 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 ways each of the Gospels treats Jesus, we get a very different look at what was important to the community in which each of those Gospels sprung up. Yeah, yeah. John's Jesus is very clearly not the same as Mark's Jesus. Exactly. Right. Exactly. I, I, I had a book at one point that it really it was called The Four Witnesses, and it, it had sort of a, a, a cross and an over on the cover, you know, and so it had like four quadrants, and yeah. there was a face of Jesus that was slightly different in each of those, and there was, 
you know, rebel, mystic, priest, um, and I can't remember the other one. But, you know, I, I think it was an, really... I think it's an anti-right book, uh, The Faces of Jesus, The Many Faces of no, Jesus. No? No, okay. no, no. This one was called The Four Witnesses, and it was a, okay. it was kind of a... Um, um, Four mini commentaries in 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 yeah. one, and it was it, it wasn't it wasn't a great book, but you know that <laughs> that still sticks with me that that cover and that image and how they right. sort of dealt with that, right? Um, and I think you know if we were to talk about um, dealing with if we were to make a movie of Jesus, right? I mean, it's it's sort of the you got to which which gospel are you picking yeah. to 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 deal with that, you know. Uh, Jim Caviezel in in the, the Last Temptation of Christ. I mean, that was uh, that's a particular sort of Jesus. And, it is a particular and, sort of Jesus, and it yeah. speaks to certain people and 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 is powerful to many people, and, and to others, it's and very clearly hold not. On. Hold on, I, I have to make a correction. I said Jim Caviezel in the Last Temptation of Christ, which of course is Willem Dafoe, <laughs> and uh, Jim Caviezel was in uh, the Passion. Passion, movie. yes. So, See, and in my mind, line. my mind, my mind inserted the Passion. Uh, um, yeah, there you go. Um, and not the Green although, Goblin. Although, think, right, but by thinking about that, right, Willem Dafoe, kind of blonde, blue-eyed dude, and right. Jim Caviezel, dark-haired, at least a little more olive-skinned than than uh, others, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, still probably a little uh, too tall for a um, uh, 30-year-old uh, Jewish man from uh, late antiquity. So, yeah. But, anyway. So... Back to Batman. What do what what do we learn then by the changing personalities as 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 preachers as church geeks, not just geeks, but as church geeks? What do you and I learn from the changing personality of Batman? Well, there are things that we can hang on to. Um, you know, I, I think that the, the notion. I mean, some things remain constant within Batman's story. That the right. sort of his his tragic uh, beginnings. Yeah. Uh, those those remain constant, but. There are lots of details that can, can kind of exist in flux around him. That, that tragic beginning really shapes his his movement towards that justice and um, always sort of walking on that line of uh, hero and vigilante. Right. Um, as we move through that. that, I mean, so I think, there, but there's there's lots of other ways for us to to read him and and be uh, open to what is going on in that. Your thoughts? Well, I again, I think that for me, I think you can talk about um, at the end of the day, uh, as much as you and I might talk about the actor, uh, the experience of watching the movie. Hopefully, if it's done right, it's not about the actor, right? If it's done right, uh, Heath Ledger's Joker is not about the Joker. It's about Heath Ledger, or not about Heath Ledger. It's about Heath Ledger disappearing in order for for the Joker to come through. And I think we can talk about the pastoral office very clearly that way. Right, if 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 we're doing our job right, it's not about David. It's not about Brian. It's about how can we disappear to let what we're proclaiming uh, show through better. Uh, I think that that's a very clear for me lesson to learn, piece to carry through. Um, Just, yeah, how do how how do how do we disappear, and and where does Jesus become represented? Yeah, yeah, in the in that in the midst of that. Right, right. And, you know, and we, we've all seen it. We've all seen ministry become about the personality. 
Um, and at the end of the day, it winds up being uh, damaging to, to the church and also damaging to, to individuals, I think. Um, very often, not in the short term, but in the long term, I think it does. Oh, if it's too much about the absolutely, it it is about personality, and you know, see that we see it um, in sort of, um, and I don't mean this as a generalized statement, but we have seen large congregations get built up um, that yeah. are around the charisma of a pastor, right? And then when that pastor moves on, it all kind of falls apart, you know? right? Um, which which is which is unfortunate. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and I think the other thing is is I think that we are in danger, um, in particular our tradition of losing some of the power of symbol, of you know saying that you know oh well traditional things don't matter just because they're traditional and and trying to reinvent the wheel without finding a way to do new things that also embrace the old powerful symbols. I think that that symbols are extremely powerful, and you know that that. That bat signal up in the sky, I mean, that conveys something, not just to, to Batman who hears it, but to the community members who see it, to the criminals who are running. That conveys something. And I think that our symbols convey something, and and we're mm-hmm. often too quick to abandon them. Uh, I agree with you. Um, I, I want us to be careful when we start talking about symbols because I don't – I don't think we just become I, – I think it's absolutely important that the symbols remain rooted in their um, in their history, that they don't just become sort of in open vessels yeah, of, right. you know, that are, that are no, free absolutely. to be interpreted um, in any which way. Not to say that we can't yeah. – not to say that we can't see them in new ways from time to time, but I, you know, I think the the important part about symbols in many ways is there, is well, there. And, and you know, and here we go back around to to a, to a dead horse that I like nature. to beat. That this is part of why seminary education matters. If you have a symbol without meaning, people will assign their own meaning to it. Uh, and so you can take some of the you know uh, meaningless things that have become symbols. Uh, you know, whether it's you know when the acolyte lights the candles. Uh, you know, I, I just did acolyte training, and, and, and I got the question, you know, why do we do this the way that we do? And I said, well, there's no good reason. And let's be honest about it, right? Let's be honest about the things that, that instead of trying to make up meaning, and then we have some powerful symbols that have meaning. If we talk, you know, the cup is a powerful symbol. Let's talk about that more than we talk about the candles on the altar and when they get lit. Let's talk about uh, uh, the image of a, person chosen from the community standing in front of the community in the Iran's position leading prayer more than we talk about uh, what the color of the carpet is going to be in the sanctuary, you know? Right. No, I think that's that's right. The um, You know, we all know that there have been practices that, um, and generally speaking, I think some pastor came up with that then people – it became meaningful, so then people created an interpretation around it. But really, it was it was uh, you know lighting the candles right, was yeah. one of those on the altar. You light the pulpit side, you know, you light the candles from the altar and out. And you light the pulpit side first, and then the you know electric, you know, and they go out, and then at the end you, you right, right. extinguish them on the reverse. Who so, cares? You pulled that so, out of your butt. I don't. So you know, I, I went to an Episcopal seminary for my MDiv. Just light uh, the and, dang candles. And one thing that they have in their tradition that not many Lutherans do, right, is they pour the water into the chalice. Right, and 
Yes, and, and there are some very profound theological the reasons yes. explaining why that happens. You know, talking about the water that flowed from Jesus' side and all these other things. And our liturgy professor said all those are very, very nice. But let's be clear that that's not why this started. This started as a practical thing, and let's talk about why. And and this is what I mean when I say if you don't have meaning for why you do something, people will give it one. You know. Um. Uh, I don't know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ooh, yes. Yes. Oh, the four candles on the Advent wreath. No. Hope, love, peace, joy. Well, no, 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 no. Uh, John the Baptist. The church clock. Mary. Which is the reality. No. It's a clock. It's a clock. (laughs) Right. Exactly. That's all that it does. It tells time. Um, All right. So we're, we're, we're coming up on time here. Uh, Brian, what is the geekiest (laughs) thing you've done since I talked to you last? All right, so I, this will come in later, but I watched the other night. I uh, I doubled down on my geekness and I watched Agents of Shield, <laughs> and I followed that immediately up with Sci-Fi's Fangasm. I, oh my gosh, my wife and I sat there. There were moments, especially in Fangasm, that I was in near tears. Which, I, oh, it's great. Agents of Shield, though. Agents of Shield was that not just phenomenal? I gotta say. Loved it. I may have woken up my daughter cheering so loud at the TV. Yes, that happened. Absolutely loved it. Ah, uh, it was it was so good, so so good. We'll, we'll 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 have to let that get a couple episodes into the Absolutely. into the series and then talk about that some. And and fangasm, I'll check it's, out. Fangasm it's really funny. Too. It's just you yeah. know geeks living together, which is funny enough. So, right. Well, uh, since I talked to you last, for me, the big thing is, again, it's a church geek thing, is I have so geeked out over Nadia's new book, uh, Pastrix. Uh, it is, it is on my Kindle, and I, I have, it's, it's next in line to read, so. It, it is, it is phenomenal. It really is now, uh, as we all know, uh, Nadia left to her own devices, curses like a drunken sailor, uh, and she does in that book, and, and I think Jericho Books was really brave in, in publishing that. That's not your traditional spiritual memoir. Right. This is not Oswald Chambers. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's so good. And she's coming to Austin uh, tomorrow. So I'm super excited about that. We're uh, uh, Megan and I are driving over to Austin to go meet her and, and, and hear her speak and, and talk about that. So I'm very, very excited. about That's that. great. That's very good. Uh, yeah, I can't. I'm, I'm a little jealous. That, that's cool. I, I think uh, I, the, the, the great thing, right, in the midst of folks who talk about um, – you know, jettisoning so much of symbol and importance. I think she's right on, like, why it's important that we keep so yeah. much of our Lutheranness, the way we talk about God and, and, uh, and all right. of that. And, and that, I think, probably is a really important uh, book to show that. Oh, and, and, and since we talked to you last, I, I, I just saw this and thought of it. Friend here. Uh, uh, since I talked to you last, we had my daughter's birthday as well as my birthday, uh, which we celebrated with Despicable Me, and, and, and it was lots of fun. The Minions may not have been entirely just for her. That's all I'll say about that. <laughs> I did see the photos of the Minion cupcakes, and they were those were pretty awesome. Yes. Those were pretty awesome. Yeah, so. we, we, we had lots of fun. The whole house was yellow and blue and, and, and lots of fun. So. Very nice. Good stuff. All right. Well, we're going to sign off for this week, and uh, we will be back uh, soon. And uh, we don't have a sign-off, you know? I know. I've we really been trying to figure one out, and it's every end one, it's been kind of blah. So 
Yeah. Um, it, and, and, you know, the problem is sign-offs are intentionally cheesy, and so you think anything, you think, no, that's too cheesy. The fact is it's probably just about right. But we can also just say goodbye. See you later. Thank you again for listening to this fourth episode of The Church of the Geek. You can find both of us on Twitter. I am at Rev underscore David, and Brian is Brian underscore O underscore Bennett. Thanks again so very, very much, and geek be with you. Mm-hmm.